in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, I just wanted to put a, a bring to close the lesson uh, series that we started a couple weeks ago. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, and I've titled this lesson today, What Then Should We Do? We've been talking about the end of time. We've been talking about uh, the, the signs that Jesus said would be in place. So what are we supposed to do? You know, Jesus talked about some deception that we needed to be aware of and things like that in chapter 24. But in chapter 25, he begins to teach us a couple of great lessons, and he uses a couple parables to do that. And I'd like to take a look at those today in Matthew 25. So let's pray and ask the Lord to help us as we read his word today, and, and we'll get out of it exactly what he wants us to. Amen. Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name. God, we give you thanks for your goodness and mercy to us. We thank you, Lord, for salvation. We thank you that you provided that in Jesus Christ, your Son. Lord, we look to you today as we look into these scriptures today that you uttered here while you were still on earth here in Matthew 25. Lord, we look to you today for you to open the scriptures to us. We pray, Lord, that our eyes will be opened, our ears will hear, and that our hearts will understand what is being said by you to us today through thy word. And we ask it today in Jesus' name. Amen. So what then should we do? If the end of time is close and we see the signs and the things taking place that Jesus talked about in Matthew 24, what then should we do? How should we respond? What should we be doing in our day-to-day -day life? What should we be doing in church or this, that, or the other? Let's answer that question today. In answering the disciples' question about the end of time and Jesus' return, he revealed many earthly signs that will let us know it's near. However, Jesus stressed the point that we must continue in His commands and to live the way He lived no matter what signs are being manifested before our eyes. And these two parables are going to show us today that just because the world's went to hell in a handbasket, so they say, doesn't mean that we have to stick our head in the sand and stop being Christian. Amen? Amen. Jesus warned against deception from those who will say he's already returned and hiding in some secret place. Remember, we talked about that. He warned us not to be deceived by miracle workers or those performing supernatural signs. Those are some of the things he said be careful about. He also warned us against being troubled and fearful of the things we see happening in the earth. I talk with a lot of Christians from time to time, and they've just decided that the world's so bad that we just the Lord's got to come now. He can't wait another spare minute but they're missing the whole point. And we'll talk about some of those points here in a little bit later. So we can't become troubled and fearful of the things happening. And in today's message, we're going to look at these two parables that Jesus used to demonstrate what He expects from us even in perilous times. And we'll answer the question today, what then should we do, Lord Jesus, since we see the end is approaching? What should we do? These two parables I want us to remember, and I had kind of, I knew this, but I hadn't made a lot of thought about it until this week. A very interesting point about these last two parables that Jesus speaks in Matthew 25. Do you know this is basically the last teachings that he would give while he was still here on earth in a fleshly body? Because right after this, they shared the Lord's Supper together and then he was arrested. So this is one of the last teachings that Jesus shared with his disciple to say, listen, I'm going away, but this is what I want you to remember. This is what I want you to teach future generations. And it's written down here in Matthew 25 for us to remember. 
So remember that, that this is one of the last things Jesus taught his disciples while he was here on earth. Let's read verses 1 through 13. <clears throat> Matthew 25 verse 1 says this, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly I say to you, I do not know you. And in verse 13 he says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Very humbling passage of Scripture, especially when you get to verse 13. So what is Jesus telling us? He's telling us what we should do because of the end times are near. This parable of the ten virgins is basically this. I'll just give you a summary. There's ten virgins. They're all seeking a husband. Five wise and five foolish. The five wise took oil in their vessels in addition to the oil in their lamps. See, it's one thing to have your, your oil lamp full of oil and it's burning and it's bright and you start into the nighttime and it's, hey, it's pretty good. We got enough. But when the night lasts longer than you anticipate, if you hadn't brought extra oil, what happens? You're going to be in the dark. Amen? Amen. But the five foolish only took oil in their lamps. Now all ten virgins, think about this. All ten of these virgins in this story Jesus tells, they knew that the bridegroom was going to come during the dark part of the night. That's why they took their lamps. We know he's coming. He's on his way. We're going to take our light and our lamps and we're going to wait for him. Sometime through the night, it took a little longer for him to show up, the bridegroom, and the ones that didn't take any extra oil ran out of light. He was delayed, and so the five foolish ran out of oil. The point of this parable is this, simply this. Jesus didn't speak these parables to where you have some type of a degree to figure out what he's trying to say to us. I've heard all manners of teaching about this parable. People say, oh, well, that means you've got to pray more. You've got to take extra anointing. You've got to do on and on and on. It's simply this. Jesus is saying that we're going to have to be ready to persevere. The nighttime and the darkness may be a little longer than we anticipate. We know that the Lord's coming and coming soon. In our minds, we think, well, Lord, it's time now. Come on. So if we do that, we start to become like the ones that didn't take any extra oil. We're not willing to take and be a long marathon race. We're ready for it to be over now. The case may be it may take longer than we think. You know, Christians have been waiting on Christ's return for 2,000 years. And every one of them believed He was going to come. And we should believe He's coming in my lifetime, right? But if He don't, I'm going to endure. And I'm going to persevere. 
and I'm going to be a Christian in the face of whatever's thrown at me. Amen? That's taking the extra oil in your vessels plus what's in your lamp. Amen? Amen. You and I, we all know that Jesus' return will be in the dark. Jesus told us all through Matthew 24, and then if you read Revelation also, you read, the world's going to be a very ugly place when He comes back. It's not going to be kumbaya and everybody's getting along and everybody's happy and He says, well, it's just so wonderful here, I'll get my church. He's basically going to be rescuing the church so that it doesn't get completely annihilated. Amen? He said there'd be no flesh saved alive if He didn't intervene. So we know it's a dark time when He returns. You and I know that. But that means we're going to have to have our lights ready, right? With extra oil, waiting His return. Did you ever think when you graduated high school, I'll put this to you except for these two, because they've had to expect it because it's happening to them. But the rest of us, when you graduated high school, did you ever think you would see $5 a gallon gas? But guess what? It came, it's still happening, and the Lord hadn't come. I've heard people talk about, I talked with some Christians the other day. They thought, they said, if gas ever gets to $5 a gallon, the Lord will have to come. He just got to. It can't get that bad and him not come. Sure it can. That's taking the extra oil. Amen. I don't like it either. None of us like it. It's money being wasted we could use to spend on other things. It's, a, it's such a waste. We, we know it's wrong, right? What's going on? But the fact of the matter is this. The Lord still didn't come, and it might get 6 or $7 a gallon, and He may still not come. But if He chooses not to, that's, in his, that's His business. And we have to be okay with that and have our lights trimmed and extra oil in a vessel so that when it starts to run out, we can fill her back up. Amen? So it's about perseverance and endurance. <coughs> We need to be like the five wise virgins who were prepared for a long wait. By them taking that extra oil that night, they were prepared to leave their light burning all the way till the sun came up the next day. The five foolish ones were just like, well, he'll, surely he'll be here before midnight. We just need a little bit. We have to be all in for Jesus Christ. Amen? At all times in our life. Amen? We need to be like the, the five wise virgins who was prepared for that long wait. I want you to, if you still have your Bibles open, which I'm sure you do, just glance back into the previous chapter at Matthew 24 and 44. This is one of the most humbling scriptures that I've ever read. In Matthew 24, 44, Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Man, people's made all kinds of money and got famous about laying out the end times is how everything's going to go. You notice that? And Jesus is saying, the time you least expect it. That's the time. So therefore, we have to be ready. Lights burning. Extra oil carrying with us. We're ready to wait all night if we have to. I don't want to wait all night. You? We have... Where we live, uh, it's very common for our electricity to go out. If it goes out sometime around noon or after, you can just expect it'll be the next day before it gets back on. 
just the way it works. And so we always sit there and we wait and we'll let it get close to dark because they'll put out this little thing, this little automated thing that, well, it will try to get it back on by 9 o'clock. Then when 9 o'clock comes, they say, well, it's going to be back on at 11. So you end up spending that whole night in the utter darkness. And I don't like waiting till daylight. Sometimes we have to be patient. The Lord is telling us here in this parable, it's going to be a while, and it's not going to be when you think. So let us carry it. We'll talk in a few minutes about what that is. But we have to be ready to endure. The five foolish virgins were caught off guard because they had to wait in the darkness longer than expected. I challenge us today, the Lord challenges us, let us be wise and be prepared for a night longer than expected before Jesus Did we ever think we would see gay marriage legalized in the United States of America? I could ask you all the same thing. When you graduated high school, is that what you thought would happen in your lifetime? Every single person here would say, absolutely not. And other bad things could happen. We don't know. We have godless people in authority. Whatever they dream up, what will end up happening? So we have to be prepared for the long, dark night. Because guess what? The helper lives with us. Remember that song we used to sing, an old song? I've been trying to find a a version of it. He abides. Hallelujah, he abides with us. We don't have to be Let us live for Christ by loving God, keeping his commands, and loving our neighbor as ourselves, even in the darkness. That's how we have that faith. We're ready to persevere in the face of anything that I live for Christ, no matter what. Amen? Amen. Now he tells another parable in verses 14 through 30. This is called the parable of the talents. or uh, some, some people refer to this as the parable of the unprofitable servants. The same parable, but we'll take a look at it today here. Matthew 24, uh, 25, 14, excuse me. Then he says, for the kingdom of heaven, and he's going to give us another example of what it's like, the kingdom of heaven is like in the end days. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. He called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. He doubled them. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground, hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. Now, talents were pieces of money, okay? Verse 21, his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. 
you have been faithful over a few things, I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there, look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bank. <clears throat> and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given, and, and he who he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Another humbling passage of Scripture. Three servants are given a responsibility according to their own ability. First one gets five pieces of money to use on behalf of his master and increase his kingdom. It was all about, in the first one, it was all about perseverance, right? And overcoming, and having endurance, and having extra oil, right? Now he switches and he shows us this parable, and he's saying that he has given us something, a gift, a talent. He uses a talent here as a piece of money, but the Lord has given every one of us gifts. You have a gift that makes you different than any other person that's ever been born. Some of our gifts are similar, but there's never been another you. Man, even identical twins have different personalities. Think about it. They look the same. A lot of times their body mass is the same, whatever, but they're completely different people. There's never been another you. The second servant received two pieces of money for the same reason. And the third received one piece of money, and they all was given this, this, this gift for the same purpose. The master wanted things multiplied, and he wanted to receive increase upon his return. It even says here that he sowed or reaped where he hadn't sown and hadn't cast seed. I want you to think about that for a moment. Jesus only went over the land of Judea and the land of Israel. Sowing seed. But who has sown those seeds over throughout the rest of the world? His followers. Somebody told me about Jesus. Somebody told you about Jesus. And it all tracks back, all back over there to those disciples. After Jesus died and rose again, they began to tell people, hey, there's a Savior that can forgive you of your sins. One, the first two used what was given to them and brought increase to their master's kingdom. They were made ruler over many things as a reward. The third servant, however, hid his money because he was afraid, and his master's kingdom did not have any increase. Therefore, he went and hid it away in one piece of money and gave it to the servant who had Jesus used this parable to demonstrate the immense importance of the parable Two of the servants were called good and faithful because they used what had been given to them to help their master's kingdom increase. What's been given to you? Maybe you have the ability, they say, the gift of gab. Maybe you can just talk to people with ease. 
I remember Michelle's dad, when I first met him, I had never really met anybody quite like him. He could talk to anybody. He could walk right up to strangers anywhere. Hey, what's there, buddy? How you doing? And just start a, a conversation. He was gifted that way. That was his natural gift that God had given him, okay? But to use that to talk about Jesus is what we have to do. See, we all have gifts varying in different forms of, of things that God has gifted us to do. Not all the ministering in this world goes on behind a pulpit. majority of that ministering goes on person to person with your gifts that you have, your abilities, right? Maybe it's the ability to be compassionate for people that are struggling, right? other one was called wicked and lazy. The two good servants invested what they'd been given and increased their master's kingdom. And it's the same for you and I today. We need to invest what we've been given into the lives of other people for the purpose of increasing God's kingdom. See, the wicked and evil servant, he just wanted to stick his head in the sand. I, I, I don't want to risk losing what I've been given. I'll just bury it in the sand, and that way I know for sure that at least when the master comes back, I'll at least have this. I heard someone say one time, and it's a good statement. If God saved us, and the whole intent was that was all we would ever do for him, then the moment we got saved, he'd zap us right into heaven, and we'd be gone. But he saved us and left us here for some specific reason. And guess what? We may have a friend. We may have a family. We may have a church member who's struggling and just needs a shoulder to cry on. Maybe we have a church member who's been sick and in need of God's touch and we go visit with them or pray with them or whatever the case may be. That's the investment that God has given us. Our callings, our abilities, our strengths, and even our weaknesses can all be used to glorify God. You ever thought about that? We always talk about, yeah, we'll talk to people about where we're strong. One of the most effective witnesses for Jesus is to talk about where I'm weak. Because then I can talk about his strength. Amen? Amen. Use all those things. Invest those things in other people. Let us not be like the wicked and lazy servant who hid what he was given and he called them a little prophet. That would probably be the most chilling thing to ever hear from the Lord Jesus Christ, wouldn't it? This little prophet. I delivered unto you salvation and gifts that would have been used to cancel out the sin. Buried your head in the sand. That's sad, isn't it? A lot of people do that. Like I said, people that say, oh, well, it's just so bad. I just want the Lord to come right this minute. Sure, we all do. But I have to prepare as though he might tarry a while. That it may take the whole nighttime before he comes. So you and I have to be prepared for that also. Be willing to invest in the lives of others. Amen? Just because the world's a dark place, doesn't mean we need to stick our heads in the sand and hope it goes away. We had testimony just a while ago. Even though the world's dark, even though the world's 
rough, humble, and they've gone crazy. Think about it. You, in your circle of friends at work or in your family get-together and whatever, have you ever noticed that the top of the conversation always goes to those things, like how bad things are, how bad some politician is? It always navigates into that area, right? So we can all agree that the world's a bad place, rough place. But guess what? We heard testimony here that this week the Lord saved somebody. Amen? So having church benefited somebody eternally. Somebody reading their Bible and praying for people has had an eternal reward. And God's kingdom has increased because we took the time to invest. We took extra oil and knew, well, yeah, the world's bad, but it's all right. The Lord will get us when He's good and ready. We need to continue what we started. Amen? Even though gas is so high, inflation through the roof, God's kingdom walking right along, still saving. That's a testament to His goodness and mercy and to His power. Amen? Amen. And the last passage of verses, and we'll close with those. Verse 31. Now he summarizes these two parables in these last few verses. And he says this is what's going to happen at the end of time. When, the, when everything has taken place, this is what is going to happen. The Bible says that it's appointed unto man wants to die and after this judgment. This right here is what Jesus is talking about right now. Matthew 25, 31 says this. <clears throat> when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one, another, uh, one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. He will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And in verse 35, he begins to talk about, and you will see now by the Holy Spirit's guidance, I know, this extra oil and this investing in his kingdom, you're going to begin to see. He talks about them right here in these following verses. Verse 35, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, did it. Remember when Jesus said in the Gospel of John, By this all men shall know you're my disciples, that you have love And Jesus is declaring here in Matthew 25 that at the end of time, the way that you're going to be considered a, a, a wise virgin 
or the one that had the two talents or the five talents, the good and faithful servant, is whether or not you took care of God's house and his people and your brethren. Because the people, it says, they're questioning, well, Lord, when did we ever see you sick or in pro- having need or having problems? He'll say, when you did it to the least, one of these, my friend. Some of us here have been saved a long time. Some of us, this very reason. Guess what? We're all Jesus' And we take care of each other. Amen? Even when gas is high. Even when the liberals are in charge. Even when all those things are taking place, we take care of each other. We work about and go about building God's kingdom instead of our own. Oh, how many Christians could learn that lesson? Stop worrying so much about building your own kingdom and just worry about God's. Amen? Verse 41. Now we get the, the goats, the other side. Then he will also, also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer to them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of these of the least of these, you did it not, did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. I know a lot of people. I know a lot of ministers who get in their pulpit and they get on their Facebooks and they talk about hellfire. And they say they preach that hell is hot and the devil is real and all this bunch of stuff. But you never hear them say this that Jesus uttered those words to those that are supposed to be following Christ and loving their brethren. Not beating up on them, but encouraging them to do the things He just asked us here to do. Take care of our brethren. When one's hurting, we hurt with them. We do what needs to be done to help fix their problem, right? If it means somebody needs to put $5 gallon gas in their car and they don't have any money, maybe I won't eat out that week that I can meet their need. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus is talking about here is we have to look out for one another. Amen? Amen. So what then should we do? How can we carry extra oil and invest our talents, so to speak? And that means simply this, to continue doing the things Jesus taught us to do. Specifically, Loving our brethren as ourselves. Amen? Let this chaos in the world not pull the church apart.
but bring us together. Amen. Right? Feed the hungry. Give drink to the thirsty. Take in the stranger. Clothe the naked. Visit the sick and imprisoned. When Jesus sits on the throne of his glory to judge mankind, there will only be two categories of people. There's the ones on the right and the ones on the left. No in between. He's going to divide them like the sheep and the goats. The good and the evil. The righteous or the unrighteous. Those who took extra oil and those who didn't. And those who invested in his kingdom and those who didn't. In closing, I'd like to say this. May we live for Christ by living like Christ lived. He lived in a dark world. He lived in a world where the political scene was a mess. And there was behind the scenes jockeying for authority and power and murdering and all kinds of bad things going on. But in that darkened world when he walked on this earth, he was the light of the world. And who did he take care of? Those who loved God. Amen? Amen. Let us honor him by keeping his commands to love one another like he loved us. He said that one time and also in the Gospel of John. Love one another as I've loved you. Jesus didn't even have a place to call his own. He wanted the best for everybody around him. Man. May we be prepared for the days of darkness by having the extra oil of perseverance. Man. We don't like that word. Remember, we've been talking about it. Nobody likes the word perseverance because it means there's a struggle taking place. But we can take our head out of the sand this morning and look up and see it's happening whether we want it to or not. Right? We might as well be the light. May we invest in our master's kingdom by laboring to increase that kingdom and not our own. Amen. And let us supply the needs of those hungry and thirsty among us. Let us provide shelter and clothing to the needy among us. And let us visit the sick and imprisoned brethren who are also among us. Though the time of the, ear, the end is near and darkness is upon the land, let us not grow weary in well-doing. Let us continue in what Christ asked us to do. Amen? But continue to be good and faithful servants of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want the extra oil. By saying that, I know it means there's going to be some darkness involved. And I want to invest knowing that sometimes you don't see a return on investment till the very end. Right? Sometimes we make investments and they tell you that if you invest in the stock market, invest it and look away. They said don't follow it real close because you're going to see the highs and lows and you'll get scared and get out too soon, right? So investing in other people, knowing how people are, sometimes is a scary thing. Pouring yourself out to another human being, knowing that they may actually use you, it is a scary thing. 
But the Lord said, go ahead and do it. Because if you do it for Him, it can't be wrong. Amen? Let us take the extra oil of perseverance. May we invest in our Master's kingdom by laboring to increase His kingdom and not our own. Though the time of the end is near and darkness is upon the land, let us not grow weary in well-doing, but continue to be good and faithful servants. The Lord wants me to drive that home today. Let us not be good and faithful servants just when times are good, but even when times are bad. Amen? Amen. You willing to do that with me today as we go forward as a church body, as individuals? I'll agree with you. I'll do, I want to do a better job of investing, taking my time to invest in people, right? Willing to be persevering when you're still getting bad news on the news every night, right? We got an election coming. We don't know what they may pull this time. It's hard to tell. All the experts say this thing's going to flip around and everything's going to be okay. <laughs> what a lot of people thought last time too. We don't know what's going to happen. But we do know the Lord has got us in the palm of His hand. And this is all He's asked, right? Be ready to persevere and invest what I've given to you into others. That means labor. That means work, doesn't it? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we have been humbled by Your words here today. Lord, we know the trap of of falling in that a lot of people have fallen in of trying to figure out the end times and we try to figure out this event and that event and the timing of this and timing of that and it is a it's a fascinating study and it's a fascinating topic but Lord when the disciples asked you that very question you gave them an answer they didn't want to hear but Lord we thank you today for this Matthew 25 which we've read one of the last things you taught your people and your disciples before you were to be crucified was that we need to take extra oil. That we need to be wise and know that the darkness may last a little longer than we anticipate. And we also need to be like the good and faithful servants who invested what you had given us to the furthering of your kingdom. Hallelujah. Father, we've heard testimony here this week that the kingdom of heaven was increased by a person calling upon your name for forgiveness. In the midst of all this chaos and all this negativity, people being saved, people being healed, people being delivered. We thank You for these things, Lord. You promised us that they would happen, but Lord, sometimes we get caught up in the negativity of our world and we forget to look for them and to see them. But we thank You, Lord, that we still see them. Help us, Lord, to be ready to persevere and help us, Lord, to invest in others. And above all, Lord, to take care of the household of God those that are like-minded as us, those that are our brethren that's been born again through the blood of Jesus. May we take care of one another, be drawn closely together, take care of each other's needs when we see them arise. Father, I pray this for each and every person. Help us, Lord, to have the courage to invest. Lord, the one who didn't want to invest said he was afraid to invest. Let us not be afraid to witness for Christ when the moment presents itself. Lord, we ask it and all these things we ask today, Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray you keep each and every person safe till the next time we meet. And once again, we pray and ask today, Lord, for encouragement, and we pray for boldness, Lord, that we may invest into the lives of others. 
And we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen and amen.